you begin with yourself. I'm going to lead myself well, do the the practices that are healthy for me to grow as a person, to be a person of integrity with others around me, to treat people kindly, you know, all of the things of leading yourself well, and then others will follow. Welcome to the Ladies Who Lead podcast. This is a community of women supporting women. Tune in every other Thursday to hear from SK Vaughn as she catches up with ordinary ladies doing extraordinary things. We will cover topics like diversity and inclusion, gender pay gap, thought leadership, and respect in the workplace. We want to celebrate with you and hear stories of success and hard lessons learned. Whether you are a lady who leads in the boardroom or a lady who leads in your community, this is the place for you. Let's do this. Susan Cunningham has 30 years of experience helping people move from where they are to where they want to be. She has a bachelor's degree from Stanford University in secondary education and a minor in religion. Susan has a passion for teaching and has used that passion as a high school teacher and tutor at numerous schools in the U.S. and overseas. Living overseas for 13 years broadens how she sees people and the world. Susan has a natural desire to connect with others and equip them to make the changes they desire. She has mentored college students and counseled adults and married couples. In 2022, she began life coaching with Dream 4, a personal well-being and leadership development company in Birmingham, Alabama. Susan has an understanding of ADHD, financial counseling, mental health challenges, spiritual matters, and marital parenting issues. She has been married to David for 31 years and has three adult children and a freshman in college. She enjoys kayaking, reading, thrift shopping, and creating beautiful food and spaces for people to enjoy. This episode is such a treat and you're gonna love Susan. I'm so excited that you're able to join us today, Susan. It's such a fun pleasure to get to talk to you on this side of the the screen and get to interview you today. I know. I'm really looking forward to it. This is my first podcast, so I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah. So people may not realize, but Susan actually is a career coach of mine. And so it's kind of like the roles are reversed here. I get to ask the questions today. (laughs) It's kind of fun. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So always start the podcast off with how are you surviving and thriving this week? And so while you're thinking through that, I'll kick us off. Okay. So how am I surviving this week? Let's see. I'm still very much in the throes of getting the podcast for season three, all coordinated, as well as trying to shuffle through like the day-to-day work stuff. So that's been a little bit of a a fun little dance I've been having to do the last couple of weeks of trying to get everything coordinated and all the logistics. And so that's been kind of how I've been surviving. Thriving, well, fall is my favorite season. That's no surprise. Like I love just the cooler temperatures and the early morning walks and evening Mm -hmm. walks and getting to kind of decorate the house for the fall. So that's something that I really look forward to and I'm currently thriving in. What about you, Susan? Yeah. So uh, surviving, I would say right now, just with work and with some things in my personal life, I feel like I am in a series of uh, of waiting. And so I am trying to wait 
with a good perspective, recognizing there are some things that are outside of my control that I can't do anything about. My role is to kind of patiently wait with a healthy perspective, figuring out what's mine, what's not mine, what I need to accept in the current situation that I'm in. So that's what I'm seeking to do right now is, is wait with perspective. Thriving, I would agree with you with the fall. It's also one of my favorite times of the year, but specifically one thing I'm looking forward to is actually tomorrow I'm getting together with some lifetime friends that we've had. We served together over in Australia and we're having a little reunion time in this mountain house in North Carolina. And so I'm really looking forward to being able to connect with some friends over the next few days. So you're not going to do any hiking or is it just hanging yeah. around? Oh, it's going to be hiking. It's going to be catching up. I mean, we're talking about a 25 year friendship. And so I kind of likened it to, um, I like to cook. And so I'm enjoying these later in life friendships that have lasted over the years. I think of it like slow cooked meat or something that over time, you know, it develops all these new flavors and it, and it's nothing that can come from something quick. And so that's what I'm enjoying in friendships right now that have been around for a while. They have a, a richness to them and a depth that really can only come through time. And so um, it's a fun thing to enjoy at this stage. Yeah. What a special just group of friends that must be then. Cause I know that there's different levels to friendships and different seasons. And it's nice to know that you've got some really great, just seasoned friends that have been around forever. So that's great. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> and I can, I can certainly relate to the waiting and anticipation of things and I'm not <laughs> patient. So good for you for Susan. Cause I feel like you're more patient than me. <laughs> Well, like I said, that was in my surviving uh, part. I don't know how well I'm doing with it, but I'm I'm knowing that that's the perspective I need to have. So I'm I'm holding fast to that. <laughs> we'll jump in. So Susan, can I give our friends a glimpse into kind of your past and your journey to becoming a career coach? Because I know it wasn't a linear path. And so I think it's fun to kind of talk about the little stops along the way. Yeah. So for me, I feel like, this career has been, it's come from like a culmination of life events. And so starting way back, even with my parents, I would say um, my mom was a teacher and my dad was a minister. And so from my mom, I saw like the value of instructing people, giving them knowledge and how that can help individuals grow. With my dad, I saw the value of connecting people to a greater purpose that Life is not just about ourselves. And so I kind of followed my mom's footsteps in college. I studied education and that has been something that has been really significant in my life. Again, just taking the opportunities of taking students from where they are to where they need to be after that, seeing growth come through that. I met my husband at college. He was a businessman. He ended up becoming a minister, which was not part of the plan, but through that, again, we learned a lot about just intentional one-on-one -on -one relationships, being with people where they are and helping them grow in whatever areas they want. So after about seven years of marriage, we moved to Australia and lived there for 13 years. That was also supposed to be, it was supposed to be for and out. And we ended up staying a lot longer there. We, we actually went as 
part of just learning to grow as people, we were in our twenties and just thought, well, this would be a really great adventure. So we lived there for 13 years. That was just a beautiful time in life, met a lot of different people from different cultures, was very multicultural. And again, leaving the United States and being forced into a new environment, you see things in a different way. And so I learned a lot through that experience, again, valuing individuality and people and the uniqueness of who they are. I love people's stories and their differences. And so I just have this real, I've just always had this real longing and love for people and coming alongside of where they are. So after that, we moved back to America and a little town of Helena. We went from a big city to a small uh, town. And so that was a different experience. We had had our kids in Australia. So we have four children. And so moving over to America for us was returning home, but for them, that was their cross-cultural experience. And so watching six people experience the same event in six different ways, again, was another life lesson for me to see, okay, we can all experience things the same events, but we're going to take them on in very different ways. And so how do I help these unique individuals experience this transition in a way that's unique to them, but also going to be healthy? And so um, that was another significant life lesson. And again, rebuilding trust with people. That doesn't come easily. No one in Helena knew us. And so we had that whole process again of how do you build trust and establish yourself in a new in a new situation? Then over the last five years, just some people who have been close to me have experienced some significant trauma, loss, grief, mental health issues, all, all kinds of, it's been like a real season of, of suffering, really. And so through that, what is my coping mechanism? <laughs> you know, we're all going to come up with something. And so for me, mine was to learn. I, I just wanted to learn all the things. And so I read books, I went to seminars, I attended courses, all, you know, anything I could and just gained this real wealth of knowledge. In that time, I continued to teach. My children were all getting, leaving the house, going to college, that kind of thing. And I thought, okay, now what? what? What's the next? I just felt like there was a new season for me. And so with that, I was exploring the idea actually of doing coaching on my own. I wanted to do affordable coaching. That was very important to me because I knew a lot of people can't afford things and I wanted them to have access to it. And I got a call from a contact at Dream4, which is the company that I work for now. They are a leadership development and personal well-being company. So basically, they work with different corporations to help them establish healthy teams, healthy people, healthy leaders. And part of that, they do leadership development, but the other part is personal well-being, which is basically life coaching for employees. So employees could access this while they are at work at no cost to them. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, as he's, as he's calling me to say if I knew of anyone who would be open to this kind of thing. And so I said, yes, I know some uh, women who would be amazing at this. 
I will give you their names, but I would also love to be in consideration as well. And that was really brave of me. I was a member, I was on a phone call in Dollar General, and there I am in Dollar General making a career choice. And I said, please put my name in the bucket. I would love to do this too. And so that was my first step, I think, to just being brave and vulnerable and putting myself out there and saying, I actually want this. And so I went to the interview and I got the job and I've been working with them for about a year and a half now. And it has been everything that I had hoped that it would be. It's a, a huge privilege. I feel like all of these life experiences, skills, all of things of those things have come together. And I don't think I would be the kind of coach I would have been five years ago. So I'm also thankful for these life experiences the hard life experiences that has enabled me to maybe coach in a more empathetic way rather than just like a teacher instructional kind of way. So yeah, that's my journey. I never thought that I would be having a new career in my fifties, but I'm here for it. <laughs> yes. And what a beautiful thing that is. And y'all Susan is life-changing. I tell her this every time we meet because she just, <laughs> I'm telling you, she really gets down to like the nitty gritty of everything. And I just, I'm so thankful for your continued mentorship and partnership with me through all the seasons, <laughs> uh, surviving and thriving, right? And it's joy. <laughs> I wanted to kind of go back to something that you pointed out, you know, in that move from Australia to the United States, what, what sticks out in your mind is kind of the biggest transition there. And how did you feel like, that's, that's a pretty significant part of your story. How do you feel like that experience really shaped your perspective about a new beginning or transitions in life or career? Yes. Okay. So one is expectations. That was, and I got to say, we did get some good training on how to re-enter a culture. So anytime you make a big transition, there's going to be change that, that happens. One thing that they told us about was this thing called exotic behavior where you would start doing things that would be different than what you would normally do as a way of coping. So some people would be like, okay, I'm just going to binge watch TV for a long time, even though that's normally not what I would typically do. It was just a way of kind of coping with a new thing. So having some expectations of what change is going to be, really embracing the idea of it being a process. I am an instant person. And I think a lot of people are that way too. Like I want instant change. I want the results quickly and just learning to accept the idea of things are going to take time. There was absolutely nothing that we could do to hurry up the process adapting to a new culture. You just couldn't hurry it. You had to walk through it and so that was a significant life lesson was to figure out, like, I can't rush some processes. Some of them take time. There's a healthy way to go through the process and there's an unhealthy way to go through it. And, you know, looking for the healthy way to walk through the process. But even if you're doing the healthy things, the things that are right, you know, everything the books tell you to or the people tell you to, it's still hard and it's still a process and there's still a lot of unknown in it, but it is helpful to have a path to walk as you're doing it. And so that would be one of the, the big things that I learned through that experience. Like in the moments you would think, oh, I will, I will never, like I'll never feel comfortable here or 
you know, I talk with people and they think I'll never be happy or I'll never, you say a lot of, I'll, I'll never in those moments. And, um, it's good to see that those actually aren't true. You will, <laughs> it'll just take time and, uh, walking in the same direction for a while. Yeah. I think that's powerful because I think change is hard and I think mm -hmm. it creates this scarcity or fearful mindset of like, how do we pivot with yet another, another change? But speaking of kind of career transitions with that life experience that you also had and the fact that you have recently undergone your own career transition, like you just mentioned, what are some of the biggest barriers or biggest challenges people face when it comes to that transition? You spoke on a little bit of like just the, uh, the coping mechanism of change, but what else have you identified maybe with yourself or with your own clients that you meet with? Yeah, I would say nine times out of 10, it's an unhealthy response to fear. Fear is, is such a powerful driving force. Fear will make someone stay stuck in a career. They'll stay there because this is all I know and I'm too scared to leave it. Fear will make people leave something that they shouldn't leave because, oh, I'm, I'm so scared. I just want to get out of this situation rather than face the hard that's in it. And so I think people really need to figure out what role is fear playing in my decision-making process? Am I running from something or am I running to something? And so I think just being able to address fear, people want, we all want certainty. You know, we want to know exactly what we're doing. We want to see the big picture of how it's going to, you know, come about and and sometimes we're just not willing to live with a little bit of the fear and the uncertainty that comes with it. So I've had to learn that it's not necessarily the absence of fear for something like that's not success for me to make through a situation and go, okay, I have no fear in this situation. Therefore, I will move forward. <laughs> it's like, no, I am afraid, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it scared. I'm going to do it afraid. So funny story that the day I after after I got hired with this dream job that I wanted so badly and felt so sure was just the the right move. Literally the next day, I just cried and cried and cried. And I was like, why am I crying? And it's because I'm so scared because can I do this? I have no idea. I've never done this before. What is this going to look like for me? And all of a sudden I was just hit by this wave of fear that made me want to shut down. And just go, nope, too hard. Throw up my hands. I give up. And before I even got started, you know, I was ready to shut down before I got started. But then I just had to say, you know what, Susan, what's what's the next right thing to do in this moment? Let's don't try to figure out, well, what about this scenario and this scenario? I had all kinds of scenarios in my head. And I was like, okay, well, what's the next right thing to do? And I'm just going to do that. And then I'll just wait for the next thing after that and not borrow trouble <laughs> for myself and just do what's in front of me well. And so I've, I'm still saying that to myself as my job is expanding and they're asking more of me and there are more opportunities ahead. Again, I will still feel that sense of fear, but I'll just say, okay, let, let me just take the next step and see what happens after that. And I see that with people all the time. We we all do it. We all um, let fear rule a lot of our decision-making. 
Absolutely. I mean, I feel like you're talking to me exactly. I feel like <laughs> it's so easy to, well, I guess it's, it's, it's easy to fall into the trap of just feeling, you know, paralyzed by that fear, whether it be changed, whether it be new opportunities, whatever it may be. Sometimes I find my default to be a little bit like stuck, like not yes. willing to make a move either way, just because I'm fear of making the wrong decision or making the wrong move. What advice do you have for people who are feeling stuck, whether it being in a current job or current life decision? In addition to that, you have to also consider a partner if you're married. Yes. Or with someone, right? Like how do how does that play into what advice do you have there in terms of making sure that you're checking in with that person and, and making sure that it's a collective decision? Yes. Yes. So I think you had a good point there when you talked about partnership, because you know, you're, you're in a team and these kinds of things. And so different people have to be considered as you make your decisions. I think the first thing I might want to ask people is what's making you feel stuck. So I always, cause again, so if fear is going to drive us, I have to take both of those things in consideration. So as I think about, am I really stuck or am I just fearful or am I running from something? I have to stop and go, all right, let's first think about what would it mean to stay where you currently are? Because you want to, if you decide that you want to leave, you want to leave knowing I'm sure I'm supposed to leave. I've been faithful as much as I can. I've given this a fair shot. I haven't like cut the process short. And so I encourage people to really evaluate where they are currently in their situation and go, all right, what is bothering me about this particular situation? What things are making me feel stuck? And as you know, SK, I'm always a fan of put your thoughts in writing. There is something about getting it out of your head and putting it on paper to be able to look at it. And as people do that, I also encourage them to go, you're not making a decision right now. So it's not like, oh, I have to write this stuff down in, in order to make a decision. It's no, I'm just writing this down to get it out. I'm just making observations. That's all I'm doing is just seeing what's out there. And so to start, what's making me feel stuck here, get those things down on paper and then go, is there anything practical that I could do right now that would help me with these particular situations? For example, if you're thinking, if you're in a job and they keep calling you at night and you feel like I can't ever get away from this job, you could say, okay, what's something I can do? Well, I could put up a boundary and say, hey, I really want to be in this in the long haul with y'all. And for that to happen, I need a little bit of space. <laughs> and so I, I need to not take phone calls at night. Okay, that's something that I could do to help me not feel so stuck. So giving people the opportunity to explore that would be the first step. And then have a season of how they're going to explore that. Like I'm going to really give this a set amount of time. And it, I would you know, usually I encourage three months or so. That's not a magic number, but just enough time to kind of go, all right, let me let you have time for these processes to fall into place and work. And so I've got a time that I'm evaluating. It's not going on forever. It's going to make me give it enough time, but also make me make a decision eventually. 
in that I'm evaluating and seeing if I need to make, make another move. And then also I encourage people at that time to go, well, what would be a good exit plan for me? Like, what are going to be my deal breakers? Like if I see this or this or this taking place in me or around me, if my partner and I are fighting all the time because I'm stressed and we never stop, you know, this is ongoing, that's not changing. Okay. Then that's a sign for me that I need to get out. You know, so for you to have those, what are my deal breakers that let me know enough is enough and I have to get out. So that way, while you're staying there, you're staying with a purpose, you know, why you're staying, what you want to achieve, what's making you feel unstuck. And then again, if you want to leave, you know why you're leaving. And so I think that's important to know. Why am I staying? Why am I leaving? And making decisions from there. Great advice. I'm mm -hmm. telling you, chock full of good nuggets. I'm like wanting to take notes as we speak, but good <laughs> thing I have this recorded. So I'll come back to it. That's really good insight. And I think it's two different ways to approach it. You can make a rash decision, right? And, and make change quick, or you can kind of, I like how you're saying, like really think it through, think about your non-negotiables, give it time and see what materializes before making that big change. You know, they always say you don't want to make changes during like high emotionally charged times like a move or mm -hmm. a death in the family like there's these different stressors that can also inevitably affect kind of your decision making hey there coffee lovers are you ready to elevate your morning routine well look no further than the bava java coffee variety box Inside this box, you will find an assortment of hand-selected specialty coffee beans from different regions, carefully chosen for their flavor notes and profiles. From the bold and robust to the smooth and mellow, every sip delivers a taste that will leave you craving more. So, whether you're an espresso connoisseur, a latte lover, a coffee enthusiast, or just trying to jumpstart your morning, Bava Java Coffee has something for you. This variety box provides a month's worth of coffee. It also makes for the perfect gift for that person in your life who is hard to buy for this holiday season. Ready to elevate your coffee experience? Head over to bavajavacoffee.com and use the code SK20 for an exclusive 20% off your variety box. You know, how do you discern when you're making the right decision, when you're faced with many different opportunities or challenges put in front of you, Susan? Sometimes I don't know. I simply don't know if this decision is right or not. So I trust like due diligence and process. I go through the processes, uh, the things that I told you. I think about, okay, what do I value? What, what are my values? Because I feel like everything that I do needs to line up with the things that I value in life. So I'll consider what are my values and how is this decision lining? Is that in alignment with the things that I value? And that will help me decide whether I move forward with that or not. I'm a big fan of, like I said, processing yourself through journal, asking yourself good questions. But also, I always encourage people to bring someone in on the process. Find a trusted person. And I would get a, a couple, not just one, definitely your partner. 
you had mentioned before, I didn't address that in your question about um, your partner needs to be in on these decisions as well. So as you were writing, these are my non-negotiables or these are my values or these are whatever, why I want to leave or why I want to go, run that past your partner, run that past a trusted friend, one who maybe has a similar personality to you and one who does not have a similar personality to you. One who has a different kind of strength because they will see things maybe a little bit differently than you would. And I would trust that advice of others. So I think getting counsel from people who are outside your situation is a really helpful process. And then when you've done the due diligence, do what you want to do, like make the decision, even if you don't have all of the answers. Just make the decision and go for, go with it. Sometimes what you'll find is you'll course correct, you know, after you make that decision. Okay, I made a bad decision there. Let me course correct. Sometimes you'll get confirmation that you didn't have when you first made that decision. When David and I were deciding to go to Australia, <laughs> we, oh my word, we did all the processes. We did all of the things, you know, this was a big life decision and I do not recommend this, but I'll be honest, we were in our 20s and we would go, okay, on the count of three, we had two choices to make, Australia or South Carolina. And he'd go, okay, on the count of three, say what you want to do. And we'd go one, two, three. And I would say South Carolina. And he'd say Australia. And he'd be like, dang it. Okay, let's come back to this in a couple of days. And we would go process more. We'd talk, we think, you know. Finally, you know, maybe we would say opposite things. And finally, we just said, you know what, which would we regret not doing? Like, what decision would we regret? And I thought, you know, if we looked back over it, we would really regret not going to Australia. So let's do it. And so we did. And that's how we made that decision that the ultimate, again, there was a lot lead up, but ultimately it came down to that. And then once we got there, that decision was confirmed like, oh, yeah, this was great for where we needed to be, but we did not know that going in and we didn't get confirmation in our gut or whatever until we actually made the decision. So sometimes you just got to make the call and do it. Yeah. And this is good advice because I think sometimes it's easy as like, I, I think sometimes it can be projected as, as a leader, you're the only one who calls the shots and of mm -hmm. course has to take the heat for any of the decision-making. But when you are in a relationship that's committed to one another, you both have to be bought into whatever decision that's happening. So it's refreshing to hear like yes. how y'all went through that <laughs> earlier on in your marriage, because I'm always trying to like get notes because Justin and I've made a lot of moves over the years as people probably have caught on by now. We It seems like we move every three years. And so mm -hmm. uh, for work, so it's like, how do you know when it's the right time, you know, Obviously, both of you have to be bought in, but it's always just an interesting conversation when you're really faced with a couple of different options of, of what's next. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so on a different note, for those who are listening, who want to advance in their current company, or maybe even outside of their company, how can ladies successfully transition from being an individual contributor to a leadership role within their organization or outside of their organization? Like what kind of advice would you give to those looking to kind of take that next step? Yeah. So um, first of all, I would say that no matter where you are in your organization, you have a leadership role. 
I don't think that a leadership role is is necessarily confined to someone with a particular job title, because I believe that a leader is someone with influence and we all have influence. We're all influencing people around us. And so that would be my first thing I would say is to go ahead and tell yourself, I am a leader right now. That is, I have a leadership role in this company, whether it goes with a title or not. And if I want to lead others, the first step to leading others is leading yourself well. And so you begin with yourself. I'm going to lead myself well, do the, the practices that are healthy for me to grow as a person, to be a person of integrity with others around me, to treat people kindly, you know, all of the things of leading yourself well, and then others will follow. I think it comes also with trust and trust builds over time. And so as you're faithfully doing what is in front of you and doing it well, I think that people will begin to recognize, okay, there, this person has skill and I wouldn't move into that really quickly. So Again, back when we moved to Helena, nobody knew us here. And uh, David and I were used to having people in our home and we were used to having influence with people. We would do a lot of parenting things. We would do a lot of counseling things. And and we hosted a a parenting night one time in our home. And I I really don't want to sound arrogant here at all. We were used to having a home full of people wanting to come and listen to us. Well, we had like four people show up that night when we were offering. And I was like, oh, you know, but then we started thinking about it and we're like, why would people want to take advice from us when they don't even know us? You know, we need to build trust and history with people before they feel like that they would want to hear from anything that we would have to say. And so I feel like the same thing happens in our job. So when I started this job, my first, and I think it's it's a wise practice for people, your first season of that job is doing your job faithfully and well. And there's a phrase that um, I don't know where I heard it, but it has stuck with me for years and years, and that's humble learner. And that is a piece of advice I give everyone for wherever they are in their life. You need to be a humble learner. And so that first season at any new job, I consider that my humble learning season where I will humbly learn from others. I will execute my job to the best of my ability. I will build trust and integrity with where I am and skill sets. And then once I feel like that's been developed, then I'll start offering solutions to things within my field things that I've noticed, problems that I've seen, you know, I would express a concern and bring a solution to it. Hey, what if we considered doing it this way? In my experience, I'm noticing this. What do you think about that? And when when you say that, after you've built this foundation of trust, faithfulness, integrity, and the things that you're doing well, then it's more well-received. What, again, people want to do is speed up that process. They want to have the influence quickly. They want the action immediately without having that good foundation. And so what I have seen as I've worked with women in this is what they do to show their expertise is they take on other people's roles and jobs. They want to be seen as the expert. And so 
They will go solve other pre people's problems, not just women, but I have several women in mind as I'm expressing this, who I've seen do this. And then what's happened is they are then resentful because everyone is coming to them and they feel like I'm doing this responsibility, but I don't have the pay for it. I don't have the time for it. My things are faltering rather than when someone comes to you saying, well, how can we problem solve this and putting it back on the other person who may be coming to you outside of the area that you're working in, giving it back to them to say, okay, I'll, I'll help you kind of come up with a solution, but I'm not implementing the solution for you. So having some good divisions and what you are, are doing, again, that's empowering people around you. That's showing leadership skills by helping other people around you figure out how to solve their problems rather than you taking them on, building resentment as you're trying to get to this, you know, leadership influence role by, you know, taking on things that aren't yours. So am, am I, are you tracking with what I'm saying here? Oh, yeah. I've got people in mind too. I feel like okay. have done this. And unfortunately, I think it sets you back in a lot of ways because then you're burying yourself. Yes. More work and more responsibility. And so you can't show up and leave space to help other people problem solve if you're also trying to do it for them. So I think it's a uh, kind of a catch 22 there. Like you, you want to be helpful and you want to be supportive, but you can't be the only one to implement what you see that needs to be changed. Right. Right. So you want to give good help <laughs> that's, that's making other people kind of rise up because every time I take it from that person, then I'm stealing that opportunity from that person as well for that person to be able to grow and to develop and to learn from the experience because I've made it my own and I'm trying to be the one who fixes all the things. And I think a healthy understanding of your limitations is a really good thing. Like I am one person, I'm not meant to do all the things. And I think we spend a lot of our life fighting our limitations. Uh, again, I'm talking about our healthy limitations. I really am limited in my time. Like there's, I only have 24 hours in the day. I am limited in my understanding and my perspective and my scope. And so how do I live well within my limitations and then enable other people to do well within theirs? And so I don't have to do all the things for all the people. Absolutely. Well, I'd love to ask you, you're full of great insight and we, we could go on for, I think, a while now because uh, I absolutely love listening to you, but I would love to ask what advice would you give to your 20 something, 30 something and 40 something year old self looking back now? So for my 20 something, I think I would encourage myself that I don't have to have it all figured out yet in my 20s. I deal with a lot of uh, women in their 20s, and there is a common theme that I hear from these women, and that is, oh, I feel behind. And I go, behind what? Like, what are you behind in? I think sometimes we feel like we have to have all of life figured out in our 20s <laughs> at some point. Maybe we wouldn't say it, but sometimes that sense of I'm behind lends itself towards that idea. I heard a speaker one time say he had studied like trends and businesses. And he said, you know, these are general kinds of trends, but in general, your twenties is 
spent figuring out what you don't want to do. Most people have five to seven jobs in their 20s. And when he said that, there was a group of, we were a group of young professionals and you could hear a collective sigh in the room when you are like, okay, we don't have to have it all figured out. We're still learning at this stage. So I'm learning. I consider it kind of a planting season. I encourage people in their 20s in a, in a financial sense to live with less. You might have a big disposable income. I would live on less than what you have and kind of save that a little bit. And so you're in this planting season, but at the same time, you're not waiting for life to happen. I think that happens a lot in our twenties where we think, well, I'm not living yet. When I get A, B or C, then I'll be living. That's when life really happens. No, you're living right now. And so live where you are, <laughs> enjoy where you are, Take advantage of the season of life that you're in and don't act as if you're waiting for life to happen. So that might sound contradictory, like you're planting in this season too, because you're preparing for things that are coming down the road, but you're also living at the same time. So kind of holding that tension. That would be my 20s. Um, for my 30s, I would say, don't be scared of your 40s. <laughs> I hear a lot of 30-year-olds not even enjoying their 30s. They're just anticipating, you know, being afraid of what's going to come in their, their 40s. But also in your 30s, I would encourage you to surround yourself with people at other stages of life. I would probably say this, son, that's another one of my humble learners. And then also keeping Always have someone in your life who's at another stage down the road than you are so that you can learn from that person, so that you can watch, that you can see kind of what's coming next and to be able to anticipate that and also to keep it in mind. When I was a young mom, I, my friends and I, we would all sit together and we were all young moms and we would talk about, is your baby eating solids at six months? Is your baby doing this and blah, blah, blah. And you almost got in this insulated world where you thought that's all there was. And uh, eventually I had some older women come into my life and it just expanded my world. And I just, that was when I saw the value and I began that practice ever since then of, I will always have someone older in my life that I can learn from and remind me that where I am right now is not the only part of life. This is just a season. And then finally, for the 40s, I would say persevere through the weariness that my 40s that had a lot of weariness in it, you know, depending on where you are with your kids and stuff, if you have children at that stage, you know, those could be coming into some of the a little bit harder years there. And you've been doing if you're in a career that you started in your 20s and, and now in your 40s, you're 20, 25 years into this and you're like, I'm weary, I'm tired. I would say to just keep doing the next right thing in front of you, pivot if you need to in some areas, where can I simplify? Where can I delegate? Where can I change some things? What can I add at this season that will bring a little bit of value, adventure, whatever to my life to make kind of small changes within that, that will enable you to be able to, to persevere. We, we need a balance between endurance and enjoyment. And if everything we're doing is just endure, 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 then we're going to burn out. And so where can I add some enjoyment as well? But 
but there's something very real about the late forties, early fifties. I, I saw it again. I'm talking through just experiences, not only with myself that I experienced, but those around me that, that season, but again, it too is a season as well that will pass. Great advice. Great mm-hmm. advice. And yes, I feel like I'm feeling all of these life stages. <laughs> I, need to, I need to take some of this advice and, and really apply it. Last question. It's one of my favorite questions mm-hmm. and we'll wrap up. How do you define success? So for me, I define success as faithfulness. I, I don't have a, well, for, for me to be successful, I need to have A, B, and C, like particular things to look at or look for, like if this is happening or this, or if I've gained this material possession, or if my children are doing this, or if I'm at this career, for me, I don't define it that way at all. I just think, have I been faithful to what has been given to me with what is in front of me, wherever that is, have I been faithful with that? Yeah, that would, that would be my main, (laughs) my main definition of it. It's just, yeah, faithfulness to, to what I've been given and lining up with what I value. Absolutely. Well, Susan, thank you so much for diving into all of these questions with me and just giving us your incredible insight and just knowledge of what you've experienced and seen and also helped others who are going through life and and through business coaching. So just thank you for that. And before we jump off, please give our friends who are listening along your shameless plug. Well, you can primarily connect with me through dream four. That's my main, I'm not in all the places yet. I've narrowed myself down to just dreamfour.co is our website, not.com.co. And that's where you could learn about our organization as we help with businesses. I would really encourage anyone who owns a business. We have uh, partnerships with businesses with 10 employees. We have partnerships with businesses with 150 employees. You know, there's a whole range. If you want to really be able to invest in your people as people, then I think that we would make a great partnership with your company. It's it's really, we consider it a privilege to come alongside people and to help them where they are, to help their companies grow in, uh, in their health, in their teamwork, in their leadership, and then for their individual people to be able to grow personally. Because if you're growing personally, you're going to carry that into your professional life, that there there's not a a large distinction between, you know, we're not perfectly compartmentalized where there's definite bleed over from our personal life to our professional. And so we can help address some of the personal that leads to the professional as well. And so it's a great way for you to support and encourage and love the people in your company. That's my shameless plug (laughs) for Dream 4. Yes. And we'll be sure to link it in the show notes. So anyone who is interested can find it there. And just thank you again, Susan. I really appreciate your time and just your wealth of knowledge and looking forward to our next one-on-one business coaching meeting. So thank you. Perfect. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Ladies Who Lead podcast. Looking for another way to engage with the Ladies Who Lead podcast? Check out our Instagrams and our show notes at the Ladies Who Lead. And don't forget to check out our website www.theladieswholead.com. Until next time, I'm SK Vaughn.